service. Hey, are you guys proud dog owners like I am? You ever wonder why so many dogs are suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, you know Katherine Heigl from Knocked Up, she's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation. And she says that she's seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, Catherine feels that there's one place that we can all look to improve our dog's health, and that is their food. Many dog foods can actually create toxins that can be wrecking our dog's health. Okay, and this is true even for many of the premium dog food brands. However, by just adding a few special superfoods to our dog's diets, we can see huge transformations in their health. Catherine Heigl has already done this. She's made a video about it. You guys need to watch this video. It's a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. This worked amazingly for my dog, Dusty. I'm noticing more energy, healthier skin, uh, healthier coat. Dusty's coat looks fantastic. If you want to keep your dog healthy and happy, go to badlandsfood.com slash disgraceland and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D dot com slash Disgraceland. Disgraceland is brought to you by Disgraceland All Access. Disgraceland All Access membership is your chance to support the show and get ad-free listening, an exclusive scripted episode every month, and exclusive bonus content every week, plus access to an always-on chat with me and your fellow discos. Visit disgracelandpod.com slash membership or just click on the link in the show notes for this episode. Hey, discos. Need a little more Disgraceland in your life? Just a touch to get you through? Yeah, me too. This is the podcast that comes after the podcast. Welcome to Disgraceland, the after party. Welcome to the Disgraceland bonus episode, a little thing we like to call the after party. This is the show after the show, the party after the party, the bridge to get you from one full episode of Disgraceland to the other, the backyard to dig into the dirt. On this episode, we are talking about Easy E, Tina Turner, a couple seconds on the utter collapse of the Boston Celtics, and of course, your voicemails, texts, DMs, and more, and as always, a whole lot of Rosie. All right, discos, let's get into it. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome to the Disgraceland bonus episode after party hula baloo extravaganza. Let's talk about easy mother flipping E, a dead man's drug stash, a kill list, and a musical effort that changed the game. We get into all of this in the latest episode of Disgraceland, but what I want to talk to you about now is how easy E is unlike any artist in music history. You might be saying, what, how, and I might be saying to you in response, well, it's tough to answer. I don't really know. But all I can tell you is that if you were there when Easy e happened, then you knew. Okay? When NWA happened, and by happened, I mean when Straight Outta Compton made it past the West Coast and was mass distributed to the suburbs. Okay? When it got to us. When that happened, which was roughly 1989. I know the record was released in 88. I know that's when Straight Outta Compton came. But when, when that record hit 
white kids like me in the suburbs. In other words, when all us dumbasses got them after all the cool kids did and all the kids in the city and all the kids who were, you know, already aware of hip hop and were older, the reaction that we had, okay, uh, at the time, the, the quote unquote masses, although that's a overgeneralization, but the, the reaction we had, it's impossible to explain. And the explicit nature of the lyrics and more specifically the explicit nature of the storytelling, okay? The stories of gang life and, well, everyday life in Compton, the stories that Eazy-E told on that record and that is his group members, fellow group members, I don't want to say bandmates, uh, the other guys in NWA told, uh, you know, the reaction we had to what we heard, it cannot be overstated. What we heard was literally unlike anything that we'd heard before. And Eazy-E was at the center of those of those stories and at the center of that storytelling. His voice, the, the way it sounded, it was the most interesting of the voices in NWA. And his voice was the most authentic. He sounded different. He sounded more believable. And he looked the part. He looked dangerous. He not only looked like he'd steal your girlfriend, he looked like he'd beat you down or worse if you got upset about it. And that's because, like I said, Eazy-E was authentic. Of all the members of NWA, Eazy-E was the only legit street credible hustler. The only guy who lived the life that they were rapping about on records, who really truly lived it. Now, they, all, they were all from South Central, okay? They were all around the life that they were talking about. But my point is that Eazy-E was the only one who actually lived it. And there was something about the fact that he had his own solo record as well. Uh, of all the members in NWA at the time, Eazy-E, he had so much to say that not only was he featured on every track of Straight Outta Compton, but he had his own solo album as well where he doubled down on the stories from his life. And it had to be from our point of view because he was so real. He was he was the most real. He, he looked fucking weird. He was short in stature, but he was huge on the mic. He, he, was, he was this image that Ice Cube at the time was not, that Dr. Dre at the time was not. Yella, all those guys, they could not match up to Eazy-E. When he picked up a verse, it was different. You knew it. It felt different, okay? And again, the explicit nature of what he was talking about was by far, in a way, some of the most explicit material we'd ever heard in music, okay? Eazy-E... Uh, he, he wasn't a musician. He wasn't an, an artist. He was quite literally a product of the streets. And so was NWA, but it was only because of Eazy-E. In the latest episode of Disgrace, and we talk about why this is and just how Eazy-E took the bounty of the streets, the money he made from the streets, drug money that he fell into, and turned that into an iconic culture-shifting career in music that spawned not only his solo career, but also NWA, like I said. The older I get, the more I believe that pop stars, right, famous music, super famous musicians, pop stars, that they're not just musicians, they're sometimes magicians, okay? The trick, they, they trick us, and their greatest trick is making us believe in them and making us believe in their authenticity, okay? It's a fucking trick, okay? They are not who they say they are. They are at one point, but then they quickly grow into something else. And we can't fault them for that. I'm not doing that. I'm not passing judgment. I'm just saying it is what it is. Bob Dylan is an enigma, but Bob Dylan is an enigma 
by design, by his own design, and smartly by his design. Kurt Cobain, he made us all think that he could care less about being famous, that it was all a burden to him, and he just wanted to make little grunge cassettes while he pumped gas in Aberdeen or whatever. But there are so many stories of him wrangling his publicists, wrangling his management um, about how, you know, about how he wasn't receiving enough press, how he wasn't getting the push that he needed from his record label. Okay, does that sound like a guy who could care less about being famous? I could go on and on. There are countless examples of artists like this phoning in their authenticity or at the very least contradicting it. Don't even get me started on Ice Cube, who I love, by the way, and who is probably my favorite member of NWA. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure Eazy-E has his, I know he does, he has his, his share of contradictions as well. But in 1988, 1989, when Eazy-E burst onto the scene with NWA, he was authentic as fuck, as authentic and compelling an artist as I'd ever seen. I was 15, I think, ish, somewhere around there. And all of a sudden, ACDC was a joke. Megadeth. Megadeth were more like mega frauds. I'd go on to meet Aerosmith later that year as a little kid, and even then I could smell the bullshit backstage at the Boston Garden. Forget about what was on the charts in 1989. Warrant, Debbie Gibson, Millie Vanilli, need I, need I say anything else? Easy e was an authentic bullet searing through a sea of imitation pop cheese. And he had a massive impact, okay? Impact, an impact on suburban kids like me all over who, who, just hyper-focused our interest in in hip-hop music. And beyond that, I mean, it's it's no wonder that in 1989, that's the year I discovered hardcore music, Sick of It All, Wrecking Crew, Slapshot, Breakdown, Raw Deal. After Easy e the fake shit just wasn't going to do it for me. It was go hard and go real or go home. Of course, of course, of course. A lot of time has passed since then. I've, I've lightened up over the years. I can appreciate the context around all artists. And frankly, nowadays, I don't care if an artist wakes up in a bed of money and hitches a ride on the Bullshit Express to a recording studio. If the song itself that he records at that studio moves me in any way, I'm in. Okay? And I'm talking to you, The weekend. I'm talking to you, Miley Cyrus. I'm talking to you, Taylor Swift. I'm in. But when you're 15, when you're 15, you don't have that perspective. I didn't, at least. I just wanted it raw. I just wanted it real and easy. -E, I didn't even know I, I wanted it that way, but easy -E did. And he gave it to me like no one else did. And I know this is 100% subjective. One man's easy -E is another man's Bobby Brown. And that's their prerogative. See what I did there. That was cheesy, but whatever. Allow me that. It was too easy. What artists moved you when you were 15? Why, right? Wh which ones? Which ones compelled you? Which ones blew you away? Which ones drove you in another direction completely, down a rabbit hole you didn't even know was there? Which artists were you obsessed with as a 15-year-old? Was EZE part of that obsession? Was NWA part of that obsession? Were there other artists from the world of hip-hop that drove you deeper into hip-hop, deeper into more authentic music? 617-906-6638. Let's get into it. Let me know. Hit me up. Let me know. Send me a voicemail. Uh, drop me a text. 617-906-6638. Back in a flash. All right, 617-906-6638. You know the drill. Call me to leave me a voicemail to talk to Scraceland, Easy e or whatever you got on your mind. 617-906-6638. Leave me a text, though. You can do that as well. You can... Like I said, leave a voicemail, dig the sounds of your voices, get at me. Uh, you know the number. Uh, let's check out this voicemail from Laura in the 914. Hey, Jake, it's Laura from the 914. Thanks so much for playing that Tina Turner episode. Um, 
you know, upon her passing. It was so good to hear her story. And I really wish her story could be told without Ike, but, you know, she's a survivor and you really can't ignore that part of her story. Um, so thanks for playing it. She's an amazing woman, incredible music. Love the show. Thanks. Bye. Laura, thanks for the voicemail. And yes, you are correct. We should have a solo episode on Tina Turner, a story that deals only with Tina, not just one that deals with Ike and Tina. We, of course, re-released this Ike and Tina episode from back in the day because of Tina Turner's passing last week. And frankly, it's the only episode on Tina Turner we have. Um, I do have her on the list, though, for her own episode. Um, It's been uh, kicked down the can. And I should bring it up further in the queue. Um, you know, Tina Turner, it's hard to it's hard to overestimate her importance and her power and her stardom, both in pop culture and her just abilities as a performer, not to mention the the resiliency and everything she had to overcome and deal with. It's an incredible story. You know, it's, it's, I've known the story my whole life. That movie, uh, what was it? What's Love Got to Do With It? Was that what it was called? I think it was what it was called. Uh, great movie, does the story justice. Um, I, as a storyteller, will be challenged to figure out a way to tell her story uh, in a different way that is compelling and um, works for the medium of podcasting. I'm excited to get into it. I love Tina Turner. I was sad to hear that she was gone. Um, at the same time, when these artists pass, and they're, they're in their 80s uh, or they're in their 90s, God willing, or even older. It is important to remember, um, you know, Tina Turner had a remarkable life. She really, really did. And through all of the trials and tribulations, there seemed to be this, this irrepressible spirit in her and this positivity and this massive energy and smile that went along with that just huge, huge, huge talent. So Tina Turner, you're so right, Laura. At some point, we'll get you that solo Tina episode. All right, let's check out this voicemail from Brady in the 805. Hey, Jake. This is Brady from 805, Lompoc, California. Um, Been listening to your show for since the very beginning. Uh, Love it. Look forward to every episode. Learn so much about music from it. Uh, I have some leads here uh, and some things you might want to check out or listen to. Uh, I have seven, actually. So first one is Gil Scott Heron. Uh, you might already know about him. Some people say he's like a godfather of hip-hop. Then we got The Last Poets, um, a very uh, controversial band. Uh, then we have Lee Scratch Perry, uh, dub wizard from Jamaica. Uh, amazing stories in his life. Then we have Fela Kuti from Nigeria, an insane activist and great musician, invented Afrobeat. And we have Dr. John, definitely good stories about that cat. Professor Longhair, going back to New Orleans, ancient history in New Orleans. And then Tom Waits, our living legend, mutant Tom Waits. Anyway, love your show. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, I look forward to hearing this message, maybe. Bye-bye. 
All right, Brady. Of course, uh, yeah, of course I know Gil Scott Heroin, uh, late heroin, Gil Scott Heron, excuse me. Uh, I was about to say Lady Day and John Coltrane, uh, and therefore the Freudian heroin slip, I guess. Uh, last poets I need to check out, and uh, Lee Scratch Perry and Fela Cootie and Dr. John and Professor Longhair as Disgraceland subjects. I love all of that. Not sure what the true crimes are there for Dr. John and Professor Long here, but call back, man. Call back, Brady. Let me know. All right. Um, and uh, just so those of you know, the Lady Day and John Coltrane thing I was about to mention, that's a Gil Scott Heron song. I'm sure a lot of you know that, but for those who don't, check that out. Check that song out. Go to Spotify now. I'm blanking. Uh, I'm blanking on the name of the album that is on. I own it. It's great. The whole record's good, but that's the song for me. My dad was in a band years ago uh, when I was in high school, and he was in the band with this these guys from, it, it wasn't even, a, I don't even think they played live. It was like one of those things he was doing on the side as he was a, a, a live performer, a live musician playing all the time. He had this band with his high school buddies or guys from back home or whatever, and all they did was like obscure soul stuff, uh, uh, Gil Scott Heron, O.V. Wright, uh, I think some blue stuff too, Bobby Blue Bland. Uh, and there was a, I, I used to go see him rehearse with my dad out in Worcester, the Plantation Club. They somehow got it set so they could rehearse at the club in off hours. I'm not sure how they pulled that off. But I would go out there and uh, he had this cassette that he would, that had all the tracks on it that, would do, that they would do all the soul songs. And uh, Gil Scott Heron was part of that repertoire. And that's how I got turned on him as a young kid. Very lucky for that. Uh, my dad's influence, I'm very grateful for it. Great musician in his own right, but just great fucking taste as well. And an incredible record collection. Um, all right, I'm digressing. Let's do another voicemail here. This one from Eric in the 941. Hey, Jake, it's Eric from the 941. If you want to talk about parents that really did a number to their kids, check out Bud Cowsill from the Cowsills, the 60s family band. He uh, took a $20 million fortune and ran it into the ground. Have a great one. Love the show. Eric, great suggestion, man. I know a tiny little bit about this, but uh, I never would have got here on my own without you uh, sending this this message in. Uh, Eric is responding to our question from last week's episode in light of the Justin Bieber Disgraceland full episode that we did on awful stage parents. And Bud Cowsill, I guess that's his name. That's who Eric's mentioning. That's the dad of the Cowsills family band. I will check that out. Uh, Eric, you're not the first to recommend the Cowsills as a Disgraceland subject, by the way. So I'm eager to look into that. Um, all right. That's some, that's some good voicemails there. Appreciate that, guys. 617-906-6638. Leave your voicemails, your music-related messages. That's the number. Hit me. We also do text. Let's get into some text right now. All right. From the 248 sends in this message. It's a link to uh, the uh, TampaBay.com news site, and it's an article about Taylor Swift's old man uh, finding a burglar in uh, the $4 million St. Petersburg, St. Pete's in Florida penthouse. Uh, texter from the 248 says, along with the link, this was three years ago. Even her dad had a stalker. I live here. It was all over the news at the time, and your episode reminded me of it. Uh, the 248 is actually uh, obviously ex uh, talking about referencing the Taylor Swift episode that we did and re-released in the feed a little while back. Uh, you can check that out. I was also just in Westerly, Rhode Island, uh, staying at a 
Resort, which was right, uh, pretty much right next door to Taylor Swift's house. Um, so I think that's what prompted that message there from uh, the 412, sorry, from the 248. Let's do another text here. From the 250, hey, Jake, Maddie from BC, Canada, British Columbia, I'm assuming. Absolutely love the podcast, both Disgraceland and Badlands. My top three Disgraceland episodes. Number three, Beach Boys. Number two, ACDC. Number one, Bruce Springsteen. That's interesting. That's fucking interesting, man. I think uh, I'm with you there with Springsteen and ACDC. I cannot argue with the Beach Boys either, although that's a two-parter, so you're kind of cheating there, 250. We called out for top three Disgraceland episodes of all time. You're kind of sneaking in a fourth there, but I'll take it. I'll take it. What are your, what are, guys, what are your top three Disgraceland episodes? 617-906-6638. Let me know. All right, same topic, new text from the 385. Hey, Jake, my top three Disgraceland episodes in no particular order. Jim Morrison, Rolling Stones, and Altamont, and part two of Kurt and Courtney Roccarola from Dylan. Those are some good ones, man. I left my fucking heart on the keypad when I wrote that Kurt and Kurt, Courtney episode there. The Morrison one was a lot of fun. Not going to spoil that one for anyone. And uh, Altamont, Altamont was good. Felt like I turned a corner there. Not exactly how. I don't know how. I can't put my finger on it. But something clicked with that episode. Um, let's do some more here. All right, from the 774, this guy says, uh, or this girl, I don't know uh, that who is writing this, but they say, I agree with the voicemail from the 317 uh, man from Fairmont, Indiana, who wanted a Morrissey or Smith's episode. Um, you've covered everything except our Johnny Marr Morrissey in the Smiths. Goes on to say, we are the same age, same town, but instead of plugging your green tea, bust out some 617-508 love and bliss of the Mar of and bliss of Marcy the Smiths in the town. If you're not down to represent, I'll still listen with slight disdain. <laughs> slight disdain. I don't know. Represent what, man? Marcy the Smiths in the town? I'm not sure how those are related, but um, I guess because I'm from Boston, the town. I'm legit dying from all the green pollen forcing itself upon us. He's right. Or she's right. The fucking pollen is brutal right now. So I pray I'll hear episodes from you from aforementioned topics. Also, anything else, 617-508-857-978-781-774. And this person is a mass hole. That's a wrap. Dana, currently from the Cape, previously from Southie, out. Dana, still don't know if it's a boy or a girl. All right. Thanks for the text, Dana, from the 774. I'll get on. Uh, I can't promise a Morrissey episode anytime soon, but perhaps. I don't know. I love Morrissey. I love the Smiths. All right. From the 616, the sound design on the George Harrison episode was outstanding. Thumbs up. Why, thank you. Thank you very much. All props to the team at Double Elvis for the sound design there. Matt Bowden, uh, Ryan Spraker, Sean Cahalan, Matt Tahaney, the gang, killing it. All right, another text here from the 361 says, Okay, listening to the after party, and you gave props to Taylor Swift. Had to share this. My daughter is the one with the green bass. They played Shake It Off in their little spring showcase this morning. Actually, not bad for six and seven year olds. And then she sends, sends in some pics of her, uh, of her kid there. Pretty cool. Um, also, uh, her daughter is pictured outside a statue of Selena. So, a uh, couple disgraceland references there. Pretty cool. All right, from the 509, hello, Jess here from Washington State, longtime listener, helps break up the mountain drive to a dam that I work at where Tom Petty and Kevin Costner starred in The Postman. Tom Petty was in The Postman? I don't know. Was he? I can't say that he wasn't. Um, 
which there was a small town rumor here when Tom Petty was filming, Stevie Nicks was here at one point to visit. Um, <laughs> all right, I'm not going to get into the rumors here. Um, but thank you for the text. Also, I'm not entirely sure Tom Petty was in The Postman. Am I wrong? Let me know. You definitely think there were, that he was, but I've never heard that before. Um, hey, Jake, this is from the uh, 724. Hey, Jake, listen to your After Party episode. And you asked about bad music parents, especially pop stars. Would Amy Winehouse's parents count? That's a good one. That's a good one, man. Uh, this person goes on to then say some stuff about Amy Winehouse's dad that I'm not going to repeat. And then uh, says, talking about female stars, would you consider doing an episode on the Cranberries? I would, actually. That's sad, but I would still consider it. I don't stray from, I'm not afraid of sad. I actually am, but I dive in every now and then. And speaking of opinions, in my opinion, top three episodes of Disgraceland have to be number one, Taylor Swift. Number two, Michael Alec. Number three, the John Denver episode. Peace out, hope life is good, and later days. You got it, man. Thank you. All right. We'll do one more here from the 240 Jake Top 3 episode of Disgraceland. Sid Vicious, first episode I listened to and one of my favorites in the book. Oasis slash Gallagher Brothers. Have you watched the Britpop episode? This is Pop on Netflix. No, I have not. Number three, Paul McCartney. Maybe I'm basic, but I like Paul's prison story. I like it too, and I don't think Paul's prison story is basic. I've never heard anyone cover Paul's prison story. Not like that anyways, so not basic. P.S. I was screaming Britney Spears' parents until you said it. All right, guys, 617-906-6638. That's how you text me. That's how you leave me a voicemail. You know this already. You're already voicemailing me and texting me. Is voicemailing a word? I don't think it is. I'm making it up. People make shit up all the time nowadays. They make words up anyways. Voicemailing sounds good. Let's do it. It'll probably be in a book in a couple years. Voicemail me. Text me 617-906-6638. DM me at Disgraceland Pod on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. I'm not going to open the DM machine right now. I got too much to do. I just read a shit ton of texts. And uh, frankly, I can't get distracted by social media right at this moment. But I'm going to get into it tonight. I got to get on there. I got to talk about EZE. I'm going to go do all that. I'll respond to some DMs then, and I'll get back at it next week. I'll do a full DM set here. All right? In the meantime, I'm going to take a little break. I'm going to drink some more tea. Bigelow tea. Again, not sponsored by Bigelow tea. Not at all. Um, not sponsored by any tea company. And tea, as you can hear, and as you have heard, over the past, I don't know how many, scores of bonus episodes, drinking tea is integral to the production of this show. So, with that said, you know, hey, hey, I don't, I don't like to turn, I don't like to turn people down. I'm just saying, Mr. and Mrs. Bigelow, or really any good tea company out there, well, just hold on one second. any tea company out there, we drink tea here. I drink tea, and like I said, integral to the production of the show. I'm gonna take a quick break, I'll be right back. Hey guys, I wanna to talk to you about my Tacova's cowboy boots. I picked them up while I was in Austin, Texas. I had this event I had to go to that night. It was a formal thing. I had this idea of what I was going to wear, but I needed the one extra thing. And I was like, aha, Tacovis. There's a Tacovis here in Austin. The dudes who worked at the store were great. I found the exact boot I was looking for. This boot is called the Dylan. I got it in midnight black. I wore them to this formal event. I had on a suit. And then tonight, I'm going to wear them with jeans to my son's baseball game. These things are amazing cowboy boots. They're super comfortable, and I can tell already that they're going to last for a long time. A couple things you can do here to check out Tecovis. If you can, stop by your local Tecovis store. 
Have a complimentary drink or two. The experience is awesome. You can shop all the new styles. You're going to smell that fresh leather in the store. The friendly staff are going to be at your service. They're going to take care of you. They're going to make you feel like a rock star. A lot of the Tacova stores have these leather custom branding services to make your boots truly personalized. They put on regular live music and events. It's an awesome in-store experience. So if you have the opportunity to check out a Tacova store, I highly recommend it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges. And they ship right to your door. Go to tacovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, Discos, it's Jake here. Thank you so much for listening to Disgraceland. Your support truly means a lot to me, and it's because of you that my team and I are able to make this show. If you want more Disgraceland, if you want more regular interactions with me and the community of Disgraceland listeners, or if you simply want to listen to the show ad-free, go to disgracelandpod.com slash membership, or just click on the link in the show notes for this episode. For just five bucks a month, you can listen to every episode of Disgraceland ad-free. Plus, you'll get one brand new exclusive episode every month. You'll also get weekly unscripted bonus content, special audio collections, and early access to merch and events. There are two ways that you can support the show and become a member at disgracelandpod.com slash membership. You can sign up using Patreon and listen to the show ad-free on Apple, Spotify, and most other major podcast platforms. And Patreon members also get access to all the other perks of membership and an always-on chat where I'll be interacting with you and diving deeper into the world of Disgraceland. But maybe you're currently an Apple Podcast subscription listener and you want to just tap into all the bonus audio content and ad-free listening that we're offering. We're also offering this membership as a premium channel on Apple Podcasts. However you choose to join, all you got to do is go to disgracelandpod.com slash membership. Support the show for just $5 a month, five bucks, or sign up for an annual plan and get two months free. Come join me and your fellow discos at Disgraceland All Access by visiting disgracelandpod.com slash membership. All right, I'm back. Back in the booth. So this, this, this. I got to get that energy. I got to find that energy. It's the end of the day here. It's 5.38 p.m. at the recording of this. It's been a long day. It was uh, recording on a Tuesday. I usually do these on a Monday, but I had Monday off like everyone at Double Elvis for uh, Memorial Day. Had a, had a little bit of a ripper at the house with my family this past weekend. Had about 30 people over. It was a lot of fun. Uh, hung out, played a bunch of pickleball, cooked some, some stuff on the grill, uh, smoked some cigars, drank some good bourbon. It was fun. It was really fun, but I was paying for it yesterday, man. Paying for it. I can't drink anymore. Cannot do it. Older I get, can't do it. Um, But anyways, uh, a little late to the game today, a little backed up here on Tuesday, trying to get this stuff done. I got to bring the energy, all right? This is the recommendations part. This is the recommendations part, the part where we recommend the things that need recommending the recommendations part. All right. What I'm reading, what I'm listening to, and what music content I'm watching. Uh, For the what I'm watching segment, we're talking strictly music content here now. That's what, that's, you know, other than TV, the TV and the film wrecks, that's all over in the rap party now. Okay, that's in the Badlands bonus episode in the Badlands feed. Uh, and, you know, like I said, I get into what I'm reading here and what I'm listening to as well. So first, what I'm listening to. Well, let me tell you, today, gorgeous day here in the Northeast. Beautiful, 
beautiful, perfect day. I'm outside this morning. I'm riding out in my backyard. Uh, the sun's shining. The birds are chirping. They're not chirping too much, though, you know? It's like normal chirp, normal chirp level, okay? Nothing to remark about. And uh, I get a little music set up outside, right? So when I write, I like to listen to uh, instrumental music sometimes, jazz mainly, uh, John Coltrane, right? So I put on Blue Train, okay? The album Blue Train by John Coltrane. I got that going outside. I'm putting together my notes for this episode. And uh, what starts to happen? Coltrane's blowing. The birds start freaking the fuck out. I'm not exaggerating. They're losing it. Like, honestly, like responding to the Coltrane music that I'm playing. And I'm freaking out. Not, I mean, that's freaky enough, right? It's notable enough. But it's, it's made more freaky because if you have listened to our Miles Davis episodes of Disgraceland... I do this whole bit about how Miles learned how to blow trumpet as a kid. He would take his horn into the woods and he would mimic the, the sounds that the birds were making. And I thought that was fascinating and I was really excited to put that, that piece together. And Matt Bowden did a great job scoring it. Um, and it was just one of those things like, you know, it's, it's a really cool anecdote. It's something you could tell at a dinner party. It's very interesting. And we were able to bring it, bring it to life with music. And then here I am this morning playing John Coltrane, who, of course, collaborated. It was in Miles Davis's band for a while. Uh, and the birds start freaking out. And I'm like, is this fucking real? Is this happening? So I switched from John Coltrane's Blue Train to uh, The Birth of Cool by Miles Davis, right? I don't want to put anything in weird... I didn't want to put on anything weird, okay? Just something, you know, kind of down the middle for, for Miles anyways. And I put on the Birth of Cool expecting the birds to like be like, hey, it's Miles. Are we know Miles, you know what I mean? And freak out or whatever, just like they did with Coltrane. And it was almost crickets. They didn't do shit. They just quieted down. <laughs> they didn't do anything. Nothing. I put Blue Train back on and they start dancing. They start singing again. They start chirping again. Fucking weird. Nature's weird. I don't know. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Uh, but anyways, that's what I was listening to. I was listening to Blue Train and The Birth of Cool this morning. So if you're interested, two great jazz records. Um, all right. What I'm reading. Dale Earnhardt. Uh, I'm fascinated with this guy. Those of you who know NASCAR know who Dale Earnhardt was. Those of you who don't know NASCAR, Dale Earnhardt is an incredible character in the history of not only American sport, but just America. This guy was one of a kind, and I, I found myself compelled to continuously read about him. Um, I've read in numerous books at this point, watched numerous documentaries on him, and I'm reading this sort of uh, commemorative, I guess is the word, Sports Illustrated issue, where it's the issue, it's a tribute issue from when he died, um, and it's just fascinating, and it, it's sort of like his, his arc throughout the history of NASCAR as a driver also kind of tracks these multiple phases of the sport that I find fascinating. So that's what I'm reading, okay? It doesn't have anything to do with music, but hey, I got a break here. I'm not researching anything at the moment for podcast episodes, so I'm checking that out. If you're into that thing, go for it, okay? What I'm watching. Um, all right. This is, uh, now, as I said at the top of this segment, the TV and film wrecks are in the uh, Badlands bonus episode called The Rap Party in the Badlands feed from now on, okay? But here's where I'm talking about uh, music content that I'm watching, right? Um, which I'm going to kind of 
bend that rule a little bit right now because I, I gotta talk about this and it's not music, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to contextualize it with music. Okay. All right. The Who, The Who's Keith Moon, R.E.M.'s Bill Berry, Mark Sandman from Morphine, the drummer from Megadeth, Nick Menza. What do all these musicians have in common? Okay. You know, you know what it is? They all fucking collapsed on stage. All right. Morphine's Mark Sandman from a heart attack and he died on stage. Megadeth's Nick Menza had a heart attack on stage as well and he was dead on arrival at the hospital. Keith Moon was wasted on PCP. Bill, Bill Berry had a brain aneurysm and both of them survived, uh, Moon for a little bit anyways. But you know who didn't survive? You know who collapsed in epic fashion? The Boston Celtics, okay? Okay, I mentioned this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna restrain myself. I mentioned this because the Boston Celtics are the fucking clown show I thought they were, okay? They are the clown show I've been watching for the last week or so with the rest of America. It brings me no pleasure to say this, okay? All my family at our party the other day, they're all giving me shit because the Celtics came back from 3-0. They're all like, oh, you want to take that back? Yeah, how's, the, how's being a Heat fan going for all that? Right, right, right. I wish I was wrong. Not really because in all, in all honesty, I was rooting for the Heat pretty hard. Not just because I came out in the last episode of the after party and had that ridiculous, angry Celtics rant, but just these guys are what we fucking know they are, okay? They have no heart, and they are, as characters in a story, they are not the types of characters that you root for, okay? And you, it's plain as day to me, and it's been going on for years now. This isn't like uh, just something that's come upon us in the last last couple months. In the last couple months and weeks, it's become it, it, it's become too obvious for me, anyways, to ignore. All right, the the Boston Celtics right now are like the Sex Pistols, the replacements, and Chet Baker rolled into one, which is to say, wasted talent. But worse, because unlike the Sex Pistols, the replacements, and Chet Baker, the Celtics, like I said, they have no fucking heart. Okay? And again, this brings me no joy, all right? I want to root for all things Boston. I do. But I'm allowed one non-New England team. I, I, I don't know what the rules are if I'm breaking. I know I'm fucking breaking. I don't care. Fuck, fuck these guys. I can't. I fucking cannot. Like David Mamet says, characters are who they are. They end up fulfilling the destiny that they are demonstrating over time with each step in their progression. And these Celtics keep doing the same dumb shit over and over again and play with no heart. Okay, did you watch Succession? I'm not going to get into it. I'll get into it in the rap party thing, but did you watch Succession? The ending, the ending was fucking perfect. Why? Because the characters all did what the characters what we knew the characters were going to do. They were who they were, and the Celtics were who they were, which is to say, politely, not winners, okay? Jimmy Butler is a winner. He in six, all right? Biggest flameouts in music, greatest untapped potential, or biggest bunch of losers, I don't care. It's your call, 617-906-6638. Let me know what you think, America. Your recommendations, that's what I got. I'm gonna take a quick break, come right back after this. All 
All right, let's recap, shall we? Number one, Easy E is the latest episode of Disgraceland, and it's in your feeds right now. Number two, we just released our previously exclusive episode on George Harrison, so dig on that if you will. Number three, we've got a special treat for you grads in the feed on Monday, and just you fans of, I don't know, rock and roll lore or whatever. This is coming up on the uh, next Monday on the schedule, along with a special relative interview um, with Chris Shiflett from the Foo Fighters that I did over the last couple days at Boston Calling. That's coming up in next week's After Party, all right? Number four... Jeff Buckley is the next full episode of Disgraceland. That's coming next week as well. Carrie Fisher this week in Badlands. My number, 617-906-6638. Call me on the telephone or go ahead and text me. Okay, in honor of the irrepressible Miami heat, me reading you the phone book from 1958 and none other than Miami. Grace Richard, 216 Catalonia Ave, CGHI 8-7449. Green Norman. 5706 Bird Row, MO5-1031. Gross, Gilbert, Congress Boulevard, 1-8587. Gustafson, Gordon, 919 South Miami Ave, 9-2683. Gutenmacher, David, 1759 Southwest 3rd Avenue, 4-0771. Hartman, 4-8479. Hassenkamp. 3-6592 Heck and Hassenkamp 3-6592 Hemmings Arthur 1 DuPont Boulevard 7-3553 Hendricks Earl DuPont Boulevard 3-0716 Harris Irvin Pan American Boulevard 9-3631 9-2683 Goodenbacher David Quit talking and start mixing. <laughs>